Welcome to Option Plus Podcast, your source of knowledge for liberty, increasing your options, life hacking, privacy, and cryptocurrencies. In this episode, I talk with my guest Max about strategies to improve liberty. We look at first principles on which these strategies are based. On a serious note, we don't know where you live. I don't know what local laws, accounting standards, and health regulations apply to you. Always consult with local professionals such as lawyers, accountants, tax consultants, and doctors in order to stay safe and out of jail. None of this podcast could be considered advice of any kind. Hello, I'm grateful that you tuned in to another episode of Option Plus Podcast and that you decided to spend some time with me, uh, with my guest Max, and learning about liberty and how to increase your options. Before we start with the conversation, I have two announcements. First of all, my favorite institution that I helped co-found, Paralnipolis in Prague, has a great conference coming up this October 2nd to 4th. 2020 and if you would like to attend there are still some tickets available and if you use a coupon code option plus all spelt uh, you will get a nice discount which i believe is currently 20 percent it will also work for uh, both online and uh, offline uh, in presence workshops so uh Note of the make note of the ticket and uh, make sure that you apply it uh, to get a nice discount and learn more about freedom, crypto anarchy, decentralized economy, cryptocurrencies, political art and hacking, and science and technology, which are all the main uh, topics of Hackers Congress Paralnipolis. I would also like to um, grab your attention a bit and. Uh, turn it in onto my uh, online courses. Uh, these are about uh, using Lightning Network uh, and especially about uh, helping to onboard new users, settle small debts uh, uh, among friends using uh, Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin. So if you have never tried Lightning Network and would like to see how it works uh, before you play with it yourself and uh, uh, you can explore uh, many of the wallets that we use uh, and you can uh, then make a good choice of a wallet. I also explain how you can pay uh, using Lightning Network uh, to merchants that don't accept it yet and support only uh, other cryptocurrencies. So uh, this course is available on my website hackyourself.io. Another course uh, that I created for you is called Firefox for Better Privacy on the Internet. Internet is a surveillance system, a tracking system, uh, and there are ways to fight back. Uh, it's not uh, that easy to be completely private and completely anonymous, but uh, a small time investment and, uh, and a short activity uh, of setting up your browser goes a long way. So um, these uh, courses are quite cheap, uh, but if you use the coupon code PODCAST, you will get them even cheaper on hackyourself.io. Now let's continue with a conversation with Max Hillebrand. Welcome to Option Plus podcast. Uh, I have a special guest, Max Hillebrand. Hello, Max. Welcome. 
Hello, Jorda. I'm so happy to be here uh, on the conversation. Uh, this is fantastic that you're starting uh, the, the English-speaking podcast uh, because I, I know that you have such a beautiful mind. Uh, but a lot of the knowledge that you share is in Czech or Slovak. Uh, so th this this always was it was a shame when uh, trying to uh, uh, link you to uh, to the global audience. Uh, but now here with Option Plus, I think this is a, a phenomenal uh, opportunity for you to express yourself uh, on a global stage. And I think you have a lot of very meaningful and valuable insights. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to catching all these episodes that you produce. And I'm especially happy uh, to be part of one of them. Uh, so thanks for the invitation. I hope uh, that it will not be just one of them, but more. <laughs> so um, so we, ha we have a lot of um, common topics that we both like to talk about. And uh, especially this one is about uh, about strategies for self liberation. And the reason why uh, why I wanted to uh, talk to you about it is because I know that you are using a few of uh, these strategies, and uh, I think that uh, there is uh, quite a, a large misconception out there. Uh, people don't realize that uh, uh, there are quite a few really good strategies of how you can increase your freedom and your uh, your optionality and there are many reasons for that uh, people sometimes don't know other freedom minded uh, people uh, in their environment and in their community so they think that no one actually wants this um then uh, they think that uh, they have to invent it, invent it uh, themselves no one is talking about it on social media and so on and one of the reasons is that uh, some of these uh, techniques require you not to talk about them in public so um uh we will explore some of these strategies that are out there uh it's not a new thing i think um Uh, the Parallelpolis uh, strategy uh, is at least uh, what 50 years old uh, in our um, our part of the world, and uh, it actually uh, was used by people throughout history all the time. I would say even uh, first Christians uh, started a parallel society in a way, but first. Uh, I would like uh, you to introduce yourself for those few people that don't know you. So uh, what do you do and uh, what are your interests uh, in in this? Yeah, that was, that was a great introduction, Uri. I'm, I'm really so much looking forward to this conversation because precisely the, the question of strategy is where I would say that I have learned the most uh, since falling down the Bitcoin and cypherpunk rabbit hole. Um, so because to my background, I have always been an entrepreneur from a young age and was interested in understanding the the aspects and the nuances of entrepreneurship uh, and thus I uh, try to accumulate knowledge about uh, economics from a very early age and of course that started with the mainstream Keynesian stuff uh, which I realized either I'm very much too stupid to understand this because it doesn't uh, I just don't get it or it's complete nonsense and the entire model is fundamentally broken um, and uh, probably both are a bit of true, yeah. <laughs> but but that's then how I discovered Austrian economics <laughs> specifically, 
uh, as a model where where it like a, the a theoretical science that is based on very sound and solid first principles uh, and then very logically rigorous in building a beautiful monument above these first principles. Uh, and, and that approach uh, I like so much and, uh, and this has helped me a lot uh, to gain understanding and wisdom. Um, so, but, but this is where I was even long before discovering Bitcoin. And the problem that arose for me is that I understood the amount of theft that is going on in today's fascist tyranny uh, that we all suffer under. Um, and I understood the, the long-term consequences that will happen on such an action. Uh, and just the, I saw with, with horror uh, on, on what is currently happening. Uh, and the problem was that I did not see a strategy to, with a solution um, to fix these problems. Uh, both for me as an individual, as well as for, uh, let's say, humanity in general. Um, and this is where I was really um, depressed and, and anxious uh, and uncertain, because I understood that everything was shit, <laughs> but I didn't know how to fix it. Uh, and this is then where that uh, this search to find a strategy ultimately led me to discover Bitcoin, uh, where I then saw that Bitcoin is, is pure Austrian monetary theory, um, so beautifully implemented in free software code uh, and, and run by individuals today to actually defend themselves uh, against the monetary tyranny that is happening. Um, so for me, Bitcoin was one of these earliest um, uh, realizations that there is a strategy for individuals to liberate themselves right now. Um, and this both works for individuals on, on the, in the current moment. And as soon as you demand to be paid in Bitcoin and as soon as you hold your Bitcoin savings, um, this means that you have less capital or, or that, the, that the looters have less capital uh, that they can steal from you. Um, and, and because you defend more of your capital with a proper weapon, uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, and this is, has immediate impacts, right? For you as the individual, all of a sudden the, the theft is reduced to a minimum. Um, and it also has very long-term, uh, um, like generational um, humanity-level impacts of having a sound monetary base where entrepreneurs uh, can base their their um, calculation and their value judgments uh, on on what to invest, what to consume, uh, and and for what to produce. Uh, and this is such an important uh, factor to build a prosperous society. Um, and one of the other uh, important impacts of Bitcoin. Uh, so that's why I like this strategy specifically, and that's why I've recently focused a lot uh, on, on Bitcoin specifically, because I see it as a phenomenal weapon that the individual can use today, uh, as well as a great um, multi-generational positive impact um, to our manifestation here. Yeah, and you are uh, sitting right now in Paralpolis, which, uh, uh, which is a place where... Uh, people experiment with Bitcoin uh, all the time. I'm one of the co-founders of Prague uh, and Bratislava Paralpolis. Uh, and it's also uh, based on one strategy. But why I wanted uh, uh, to bring up Paralpolis, there are uh, two things. Uh, first of all, there will be a great conference called HCPP, Hackers Congress Paralnipolis, uh, happening uh physically in Paralnipolis, hopefully, and also virtually uh, the first uh, weekend of October. And uh, uh, also how it relates to what you were saying is that Paralpolis is a concept that is uh, crypto only. So we started uh, 
I believe the first business in the world that is powered purely by crypto. It started uh, to be. Um, it started as a pure Bitcoin uh, place, but then the big fees, uh, uh, large fees happened, and uh, we had a problem because people didn't want to pay us um, uh, for uh, you know espresso or cappuccino uh, uh, with Bitcoin because the fees were either five times higher than uh, than the price of coffee or they would set low fees and it would never confirm so we would be giving uh, uh, free coffee uh, but this problem was uh, uh, solved uh, later now we can use lightning network and many other innovations but why why i'm saying it is that um, this is an organization uh, that has been internally using uh, crypto since the since the beginning, and that means for internal accounting. So uh, we had to learn how to deal with uh, first uh, shitty user interface wallets, uh, then uh, uh, how to deal with volatility, uh, uh, how to uh, how to easily and fast. Uh, uh how to easily onboard people uh that doesn't take you know explaining for half an hour what bitcoin is and just showing them and and so on so we developed these strategies and i think they're very uh very useful for people who want to use bitcoin as a tool uh for self liberation and it was uh, very interesting. Uh, yesterday, I uh, finished listening to uh, a POMP podcast with uh, Michael Singer from MicroStrategy. I highly recommend this podcast. And he was uh, saying and explaining uh, how his company, MicroStrategy, which is a big uh, publicly traded company, uh, uh, switch to Bitcoin as a ma- uh, as a main treasury asset. So they had uh, 500 uh, million dollars of cash uh, on their books, and and uh, they realized that the inflation is so huge uh, that uh, uh, that they're basically uh, generating profit just to make up for inflation. So they're not uh, they're not even. Uh, uh, creating more money they're they're basically being taxed on inflation um, and what michael said and what i really uh, liked is that uh, everything more expensive that you want to buy so uh, a house uh, a car uh, uh, maybe maybe a share in a company or if you start a startup all these assets that you want to own um uh, have a much higher inflation than the consumer pl- price inflation that the state bureaucrats uh, claim that this is this is the actual rise of money okay tomatoes and uh, you know steaks are not getting uh, 10% more expensive every year but if you want uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, an apartment in new york city or or any asset uh, that people save money in order to buy it, uh, the inflation is much higher and uh, it's now, according to Michael, reaching double digits. So he realized, okay, I have $500 million of cash on my books and um, I... uh, uh, I need to protect it. And every other asset out there, including gold, uh, is... uh, yielding uh negative uh, negative uh, 
uh, yield. So so uh, he didn't wa- want to watch uh, all all this money, all these cash reserves to just wash away. Uh, so he did. Uh, he split uh, these five uh, hundred million dollars uh, uh, in a half. Uh, half he used uh, to buy the stock back. Uh, uh, so so uh, he actually uh, was doing stock stock buyouts, and another half he was slowly buying Bitcoin. And uh, uh, it's really interesting because this is a conventional business. Uh, conventional businessman is not a you know crazy crypto anarchist or anything like that. He just realized that this is a tool that he can use. And back to Parallel Police, uh, of course, we uh, sadly didn't have $500 million, dollars, but we have years of experience in using Bitcoin precisely for this reason, how to uh, how to ride the volatility, how to protect your wealth, what to do if, if the price goes down and so on. So... Um, So I'm really excited because HCPP uh, is the conference where we try to share both our uh, wisdom and wisdom of others that we that we bring, and we have uh, uh, several regular speakers uh, like Paul Rosenberg uh, who um, wrote uh, a book about what happens to the state when. Uh, cryptocurrencies uh, or digital money uh, because it was written before bitcoin and uh, and decentralized markets when they when they exist what uh, effect does it have on people and on the state so it's very uh, i would say close to what you were saying exactly Yes, absolutely. Uh, very many points, and uh, again, th- this is this is why I think this whole aspect of uh, strategy is so important, and this is specifically why I come to love uh, the Hackers Congress uh, at Polis, because this this is really applied strategy. This is not just a theoretical conference to read papers. Right? This is actually done by cypherpunks and crypto anarchists who are on the ground uh, living today uh, in a free world uh, that they have created and manifested themselves. Uh, and this this is why I really appreciate this conference and the all the dedicated people uh, that, that come to it and that help make it happen. Um, and specifically for this year, I, I very much like the topic of digital totality, uh, which is the theme. And it, this is just so perfectly chosen for the tyranny that we have in in this in, in this year specifically that has manifested uh, to such an extreme extent in such a short time that it really is a digital uh, or it is a totality for sure it is a totalitarianism system and it is enforced via digital means uh, it may, uh, in, on many many levels um, so this is why I think that this year's HCPP is especially interesting because it will provide the strategy to liberate out of this digital totality, which could not be a more pressing and more important priority uh, to most individuals out there. Actually, uh, digital totality was not my vote. I, did, <laughs> I didn't want uh, uh, this topic. So when I, when I was voting, uh, my pre- preferred uh, uh, topic was autonomous zones, which kind of hints uh, to a, a direction how we could go out of this digital totality so uh, but that's maybe uh, i that's i'm a a more uh, 
positive minded. I always try to uh, look for solutions. So I think it's a great topic. Uh, I agree. Um, but uh, what I would do personally is I would uh, uh, rather show the people the light than the darkness <laughs> but that's just me so uh in order so so i hope that people don't get the bad idea that we will just talk about bitcoin uh, i think we will have another episode where we talk about bitcoin but uh, uh there are many areas of life uh, that um, we a lot of us um, feel uh, a lack of freedom and uh Money is certainly one of them. So as a part of um, this podcast, I started collecting uh, um, opinions uh, of people, uh, of listeners of this podcast uh, on um, where they uh, lack freedom. So I call it the freedom map. I got a few entries. Please uh, uh, keep them coming. Uh, the URL is optionplus.io slash map. And uh, one of the main... Um, things actually uh, was uh, not that people don't uh, like the state or laws or anything like that um, people uh, said that they lack freedom um, in terms of wealth generation and money so bitcoin is really one of the tools uh, and i i believe that uh, i will uh, talk a little bit more and show people how they can practically use it to uh, to increase their wealth and uh, kind of get rid of this first limitation so uh, it's very interesting that um a lot of libertarians they uh, of course uh, uh, when you when you uh speak the word uh freedom or liberty the first thing they would say oh we don't have freedom we don't have liberty because of this law and this law and i cannot do this and i cannot do that um and actually when you ask people okay but specifically what area of your life uh, you feel you lack freedom they start talking about things like um oh, i don't feel free in my relationship i don't feel free in my job i don't like my boss i don't like the hierarchy in in the corporation and things like that um, and uh, it's interesting that you realize that uh, yes of course we uh, don't like the limits imposed by the states uh, but there are many more aspects uh, to freedom than just uh, you know not liking the local laws and regulations yeah very much right and there are many real cases where the individual uh, is is oppressed and uh, is is hindered in, in his ability to manifest though i th i think in order to understand uh, precisely where these, these these root problems are i think it's important and very valuable to start from first principles um, so to to get down to the real core uh, of where we start our fundamental analysis um, and the, in uh, like these terms are called axioms, um, assumptions that cannot be proven in a logical system. Um, and, and this is a very common way for, for science to operate. Uh, for example, in, in geometry, uh, the ax or one of uh, one of the axioms is that two parallel li parallel lines never meet, uh, and, and this is an axiom. This is an assumption. Uh, and this is very is difficult or cannot be proven uh, in a purely logical manner. Um, but however, when we assume this, when we assume that this assumption is true, uh, then we can build a logical construct on top. Uh, and this logical construct can be very 
uh, broad uh, and and very wide reaching and, and quite a, a monument in and of itself, um, based just on pure logical um, reasoning and understanding of, of causal relationships um, between action and reaction to to then see where this entire theory leads. Um, and I think this is a very, very valuable approach. And this is specifically um, the, the approach that praxeology, uh, this literally the science of human action, uh, is is based on. Uh, and what Austrian economics uh, emerges as a subsection out of. Um, so the, to, to see how, how broad this can go, the entire scope of Austrian economics, and that includes all the monetary theory, right? Um, you know, all the trade theory, uh, all, all the coercion theory and, and um, capital allocation and all the time preference. And, and, and all of this um, is, is based on a very few or maybe even only one um, core assumption uh, that, that we cannot prove logically, uh, but which we use as a strong foundation to then build a logically proven system on top. Um, and th- this is why I think that this, this methodology, this methodology of first principles and starting from a solid ground to then later build something beautiful on top is, is very important, uh, specifically to check your first principles, right? And, and to see if they are actually good assumptions, if it actually makes sense to assume this, right? If, if your base assumption is that the sky is green, uh, and you build, you try to build a logical system on top of this, then it, it will fail miserably because the core foundation is is not sound is not solid yeah what what i what i like about this um is that uh, a lot of libertarians uh, they um uh, they say uh that uh, their philosophy is based on pure logic but they fail to mention that uh, this needs assumptions these needs axioms so my usual reply is that if your axiom is that no uh, person in a society should be ever hungry doesn't matter you know how much they earn what they produce like if your assumption is that uh, no one uh, should uh, should ever be hungry or or poor or something like that if this is your axiom then you will logically get communism it's a bad idea uh, that i think the axiom is wrong but it means uh uh, uh it is very important uh, which axiom you choose as your as your basic axiom i would say it, it is incredibly important. i would say it is one of the most important things uh, in in, under, in trying to understand something right uh, it, it's like what what do you not understand what is what is really out of scope what do you actually assume right uh, and, and then based on this, okay, what do you understand in this constraint? Um, and th- this is very important. And of course, you know, checking if, if the base assumption is actually true uh, or, or is, is a good one uh, rather um, is, is very important, but also to refine if this is actually the deepest assumption that you can, uh, that, that you can go, the deepest axiom. Um, so th- th- this is something that I've personally experienced quite a lot because Although keeping in the same, uh, let's say, area that my axiom uh, was, I've refined how deep I could say this is the actual first principle. Um, and, and this has actually had drastic consequences on some of my actions, um, just because of not changing the axiom, but rather refining it or, or distilling it into something more pure. This has really drastic consequences um, because, again, this is the fundamental starting point. So as soon as this changes, everything above uh, is is in flux and in a twilight and potentially will crumble down to its entirety. 
Uh, this is why, uh, I, again, I think starting with first principles is, is, is so important um, also to start this conversation. So what is, what is your first principle and how did it affect you in practice, as you said? Yes. Um, so for, for me personally, uh, I would say that my axiom is individual action um, or maybe even deeper individual existence. Um, and th this is something that I cannot really prove, right? How can I prove that I actually exist? Right? This is this is very, very difficult. Is, is there even some individual core um, th that, that, this, that this sparks within me? Um, or are we maybe all part of a gigantic collective? Right? That is the other side. Uh, and again, um, collectivism in, in, as a axiom will, I would say, also lead down to communism. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I don't think that this is a good axiom. Um, so that is why I personally choose my, my individual existence and the fact that I act, that I manifest change, um, that I um, utilize, uh, or, or yeah, so again, Individual, individual action is my axiom. And based on this, I can start an analysis. Um, so the individual exists. Um, and we see this, for example, in, in a bodily form, right? I have a body. Um, and this body is scarce, um, meaning there is an exclusive owner, uh, exclusive usage of this body, meaning that only I, as the individual, use this body right now and not another individual. Right? Yurai is not in my body. He is a separate individual in, in his own body. Um, and I am not his, I'm not in his body neither, right? So there's an exclusive ownership, uh, of a body by one individual. Uh, and here comes in scarcity, uh, right? This aspect of exclusive, of exclusivity, of potential conflict over who can control a scarce resource, um, is, is very important. Uh, and it is based on individuality, right? So this is, for example, what I said earlier. Uh, for, for a long time, um, I, I thought that scarcity is the fundamental axiom, right? Because it just is so all-encompassing. Either a good is scarce, it is uh, exclusive, or it is not scarce. It is, it is not exclusive. Um, you can share it with others, like information, right? The words that I'm sharing with you right now, um, are, I don't give them up. I still retain the knowledge um, that, I, that I have and the words that I speak um, because they are non-scarce information. It's not a sacrifice for me to share knowledge because I keep a, a copy, basically. Um, so this, and for a long time, this was my axiom until I realized that actually I can logically deduce that scarcity exists when I only assume that individuals exist, right? Um, so this is mm -hmm. what I mean with refining my axiom um, to, to see that I, I have a, a good point, scarcity like is, is here and, and I can work with this. However, I can go one step deeper and say that I assume that individuals exist and therefore there is scarcity. Yes, and uh, I also like uh, how you said that, uh, uh, that you act. That's one of the uh, important uh, uh, important axioms that that there is action uh, that we are basically fighting entropy we are one of the few uh, counter uh, power to the law of entropy i would say because uh, uh, normally uh, everything will end up end up in a, a kind of um, um, following this law, law of entropy and 
but uh, it also reminded me uh, about one thing uh, uh, regarding uh, regarding freedom is that uh, uh, i realized that i have more in common with individuals that uh, act in some ways than uh, with individuals that think in some ways so let me explain so for example i met this uh, group of unschoolers um and their philosophy is maybe a little bit leftist maybe a little bit more esoteric than mine i would say um so we would not you know uh agree during a, a fireside chit chat uh, on many ideas but what they actually do is that they are entrepreneurs in um uh, uh in many areas one of them is education they're helping people um they have this deep need for for freedom not only for themselves but also for their for their children and they act on this need and i realized that i personally enjoy uh, being in the presence of these people who act in this way much more than uh, you know a super hardcore uncap libertarian that is working for a corporation paying their fair taxes uh, uh, then they have a, a story why they uh, why they go and vote because it's uh, self defense basically so they're a vote uh, for uh, for an oppressor that is uh, you know lesser evil or something like that and uh philosophically i would probably agree with them 90% of time but i would not uh, like uh my life going in their uh, their direction so uh in uh, all these strategies uh, that we are going to talk about uh uh it is about first principles they should uh, be based on some kind of axioms and some kind of uh philosophy that logically follows from these axioms but these strategies are about acting it's not about reading a book uh, you know uh, i mentioned for example anarcho capitalism i really like uh uh the works of uh, mary rodbart or uh, uh or david friedman these these are maybe the two most uh, uh, uh well known anarchy anarcho capitalist thinkers um but what i realized that these uh, uh these um, i would say well of knowledge uh is philosophical it is about thinking and following from these first principles uh, but it has very little impact uh, on the lives of people who uh, even believe and agree with all the all these philosophies so for uh, in order f- for me to uh, not sit and wait uh, until you know there is uh, uh, my beautiful utopistic uh, uh anarcho capitalist society out there and i could finally attain my freedom i just need to wait few hundred years until uh you know the the state uh, falls down and uh, you know uh, the logic and rationality wins <laughs> which is something i i don't think is actually going to happen uh at least not in a f- uh, next few hundred years uh, i I would love to be proven wrong. 
So, so I think that, that you're very correct here, that there are two very different aspects to it. Right? One, one is the theory, uh, the other is the action. Right? Um, uh, but I, I do think that, again, they, they are, they're, they're very closely related. And I would not sacrifice one for the other. I think they're inherently um, a symbiotic relationship. Sure. Well, they, they, they're, they're, they're following from, uh, from the theory. So, uh, for example, I like uh, especially Second Realm, uh, um, how it's explained. It is, uh, it is based on the fact that we are not sacrificing these first principles. That's one of the first things that Smuggler and XYZ uh, write in the Second Realm strategy is that because we believe in individual autonomy and uh uh and uh, self sovereignty and so on we cannot for example fight the state uh, uh, by violence because we don't believe in violence and so on so so i think uh all these strategies have to follow from some philosophy uh, but they don't end there that's what i'm saying absolutely you know I, and so let's get a bit back on what actually action is right so so what does this mean uh, to act uh, that the individual acts, and then of course, hum- uh, Mises wrote a, a treatise on human action. So this is this is very very important uh, in, in praxeology and in this way of thinking. Um, so so action um, basically is that the individual um, is in a current situation of uneasiness. Um, there there are things that he does not like. Um, he has a creative potential to think of more positive outcomes. Right. So you have a problem right now. And the individual thinks, right, and contemplates uh, and and analyzes um, different, better outcomes uh, that he might want to have. Uh, in in economics, this would be the ends that the individual wants to have, right? Uh, so what what are the the best possible outcomes in the shitty situation that you're in right now? You make an individual preference scale of each of these potential outcomes based on which one you prefer marginally more uh, than the other. So, for example, um, Alice likes apples more than bananas, all right? So, so her end goal of eating an apple is superior to her end goal of eating a banana. Uh, and, and this is the, the marginal preference scale of individuals. And this is where the thinking comes in, right? So what are your end goals? What do you actually want to achieve, right? Um, it, um, how do you want to make your current situation better? Um, that, that also means realizing that your current situation is bad, Right. And where it is bad and what the root causes is why your current situation is bad and then how you want to improve on it. Right. So this is where the thinking part comes in. Um, to allocate the means or, um, the, the means at your disposal to reach your desired ends, uh, is, is then basically to, to use the, the capital that you have available. Uh, and this is first or your property rights, basically. Um, this is your body, right? So your body ca- is a means to achieve your ends. Right. Uh, because if uh, you want to grab that, or if you want to eat that banana, then you're going to walk over to the table and grab it. Right. This is how you manifest physical force. Um, so to achieve your ends. Right. Um, and this is this is basically a task of resource allocation. So what is your current capital? What can your body do? Right. And, and what have you worked for? What are the, the scarce resources that you control um, that you have cr- uh, that you have created uh, to the extent? Um, and how do you use them best to uh, to improve your your situation? And this is where the aspect of time comes in, right? We have a, a certain differentiation 
um, of the current situation where the individual is in uneasiness and he contemplates about better situations and how to achieve these better situations. And then comes a point of action, meaning a, and this is, this is the instant where the individual actually manifests the change, where he utilizes his means, where he invests his capital, where he focuses his time on in that specific moment of action. Um, and then there is a result for it, uh, for it inevitably with every action. There is a, there is a result. There is a change to the current state. Um, and after that action, the individual can, can now realize if his action was actually to his liking, right? Because there's, there's a difference on how you envision the future and how you manifest the future, right? You might, you may think, uh, that you like the banana more than the apple, but then you actually eat the banana and it's all rotten and you turn out to not like it and you would have actually preferred the apple. Yeah. So what, what I would like to point out here, uh, is that, um, uh, um, a lot of people think that uh, economic theory uh, kind of uh, is based on this homo economicus that always uh, does economic calculations. They can always uh, make a rational decision. What I really liked about this uh, description of yours is that uh, it doesn't have to end up well. We don't have uh, uh, full information. You know, we don't always decide, uh, quote unquote, rationally. Um, we uh we have a need uh we we realize it we act on it but it doesn't mean that uh, you know all the time 24/7 our brain is doing economic calculation and cost benefit an analysis because that's not how we how how we operate so uh i really liked uh, this part that uh, that you explained because uh, i think it kind of fixes this misconception of uh, of a lot of people uh, also one of the uh, basic axioms of mathematics uh, is a so-called axiom of choice uh it is one of the i i think five basic axioms uh, that i learned about uh in in college when i was uh, studying mathematics and this axiom says that if you have a set of uh uh anything any set but for example in this case a set of options there is always a way how you can pick one uh, element of this set um so normally uh, you would say okay uh, if i have 10 numbers uh, i can always pick uh, the first one but they're not sorted so there maybe uh, it's not even uh, sometimes possible to sort it and um whole uh, mathematics or most mathematics there are actually some mathematicians that think that you cannot make this assumption but uh, a large chunk of mathematics is actually based on this assumption that given a set um, of uh, elements uh, there is always a way when you can pick one of these elements it doesn't matter which one but there is a way and um, I really like it. Uh, uh, I really like when you uh, when you think about uh, this uh, in a form of uh, choices. So you have you have a set of options of choices that you are going to to make. Uh, one of the choices is always I'm not going to make a choice and I'm not doing anything. Uh, that is usually an option, um, and uh, people are. Uh, 
not always making this choice rationally. Uh, even even the economists don't believe that, and I I believe even the mainstream economists don't believe that. But this is some somehow given, uh, or or when people talk about oh you Austrian economists you always think that humans are rational and they can make rational choices. Uh, I wanted to point out that this is not the case uh, at all, actually. Yes, yes, precisely. Um, and and I don't think that Austrian economics claims that the individual will always make the most rational, the most optimal choice, uh, because uh, again, precise. And this is this is fundamentally just illogical. It does not uh, make sense, right? Because again. Um, the future is uncertain, as you said, right? And this has multiple reasons, mainly because it's not now, right? Now, now is certain. This very, very moment, the individual, like, is, is here. The individual exists right now. This is our core assumptions that right now, in this very moment, the individual exists. Um, and here, this, um, uh, so, so based on this, this means that in the future, the individual does not yet exist, right? The future is a potential. It's not yet existence. It is not yet manifested into into reality, into existence. Uh, it is uh, it is a potential state, um, and there are different different ways that this potential state can uh, can manifest. And this is where the individual choice comes in, right? Um, is, and again, the the preference scale. So individual has a bunch of of outcomes ends that he thinks that are um, or that he has different uh, priorities for. Um, and out of all these multiple options, he chooses one, right? There's only one action to be taken in the moment um, and, and only one end goal to be pursued um, with, with, the, with the highest priority. Um, and, so, so, and again, in hindsight, after the action has, has happened, after the change is manifested, it does not mean that the end goal is reached, right? Maybe the end goal was way too difficult, right? I'm going to jump so high that I touch the moon. Right? This is this is just not uh, not a reasonable end goal to have, and no matter how uh, tiresome you try to allocate your resources and jump as high as you can, it's going to be very 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 difficult, if not impossible, to jump as high as the moon. Right? Um, so it does not mean that just because you set out on a quest that you will be successful. And this is what the entrepreneur is all about, right? The entrepreneur is the individual who allocates his resources today, right now. Um, so that he reaches a, a potential state in an uncertain future, and the the task of a skilled entrepreneur is to be is to be great and to excel at that aspect of prioritization, right? To find out what you actually want, and then to allocate your resources in a way that you reach these goals. So, right to first not overdefine what you want, or not to undershoot for for what you could possibly achieve, but to find exactly that thing that you truly want. Uh, that is that is your highest priority to achieve, uh, and then later to allocate uh, your time, your attention, your capital, all of this um, towards achieving this end. This is entrepreneurial action. Yes, moving uh, or or giving uh, uh, your resources and uh, leveraging from the from the let's say low productivity to higher productivity. So achieving your goals by skillfully using all your resources which is your time uh, maybe your relationships uh, your uh, your capital and uh, 
actually doing something. So uh, wh- one of the great examples was that uh, uh, that I mentioned in a previous podcast um, is that um, a lot of people think that the law of gravity is a universal law. So as you said, I, I can jump uh, all I want. I will not reach the moon. But uh, I personally... Uh, uh, went uh, through an experience where I didn't experience uh, gravity. I uh, went on a parabolic flight, which uh, which basically uh, cancelled the, the gravity. Uh, it's uh, uh, clever physics uh, that, uh, that induces the state of microgravity, exactly the same state as uh, astronauts on ISS experience. So really, I was flying in, uh, in space, Um, and this is the entrepreneurial action. People thought that the law of uh, of gravity, especially here on Earth, it's something that is totally unbreakable. You cannot go around it. And yes, by jumping <laughs> high, I would never be able to uh, free myself from this law of gravity. But there are entrepreneurs who figure it out, scientists, uh, uh, investors, uh, builders, makers, and they created a company that actually allows you to have this experience and break free of this. Uh, it's not actually breaking free of law of gravity because the law is still there, but of your experience of Earth gravity, uh, it's totally doable. So, uh, And this is what, uh, what these strategies are all about. We believe that there are these laws that are... Uh, totally set in stone unless uh, 150 or uh, I don't know how many members of parliament vote differently. This is the law and we cannot go around it and our action uh, in this regard would be punished. And uh, one of the core, I would say, uh, allies in this in this effort to free, free ourselves are actually entrepreneurs because There are many businesses and uh, not uh, all of them illegal. I would say most of them are not illegal, actually, that allow us to go around all these uh, uh, all these laws and uh, regulations, whether they're set in stone by nature or members of parliament. So, uh, so I would uh, suggest the listeners... Uh, to if if they don't have a positive uh, uh attitude towards entrepreneurs to think again because these are the people that invest their energy uh in order for you to experience a better life so they're providing you technologies uh tools uh, product services uh that uh make it easier for you to achieve something that you would not achieve yourself by uh jumping <laughs> high or uh, or uh, just ignoring uh, a law that is out there or anything like that so i think when i when i look at the list of strategies i think entrepreneurs are absolutely crucial in all of these strategies there is not a single one a single strategy uh, for uh, liberation that uh, does not uh, uh, depend heavily on entrepreneurial action. So 
So, so very much agreed. And for me personally, the archetype of the entrepreneur is one of the most heroic and, and, uh, beautiful things uh, that I think, uh, uh, is, is, is currently in this, in, in our knowledge pool, like this, this aspect of, of individual entrepreneurial action, precisely as you said, that, that, that creativity to think of clever solutions to complex problems, right? Uh, again, the entrepreneur is in a state of uneasiness, right? That's why he acts because he wants to make the situation better, right? And now the, the, so the, the things are in, in two ways. First, define your goals, right? And then second, try to achieve them. So to define your goals, this is where the entrepreneur basically, um, is, is this philanthropic, um, good doing person, basically, who has, or as an end goal, again, has his own individual, um, individuality as the first principle. And basically he wants to gain capital and, and gain more power, uh, uh, or for other reasons. And one of the strategies that he uses for this is to satisfy the needs of other individuals, right? To set, to find out what other individuals want, right? And what, what problems that they have and what they want to have fixed, right? And then to come into the picture to act, to change the situation in such a way that the, the situation after the action is more beneficial to the client than it was before. Right. So this is what entrepreneurial action is about. Exactly. As you said, to satisfy the, um, the desires of others, um, so that they perceive a value. So that value is actually created. Right. This is where the creative genius of the individual comes in. As it is, as when you have a, a, a creative mindset and to find complex or, or brilliant solutions to complex problems, um, when this is done in a creative and beautiful way, uh, then there, there is a lot of value created. Uh, and, uh, but of course, all of this happens within uncertainty, uh, and with very, very, um, complex uh, causal relationships, uh, that are very difficult, if not impossible for any individual to grasp fully. Um, so this is where, again, we ought to look at different strategies, uh, to experiment, uh, and to see what actually works, because quite frankly, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, uh, this is where um, uh, the difference uh, between entrepreneurs and, for example, uh, state or public institutions uh, comes because um, the state uh, has all these uh, services that they want to provide you, but they're not uh, actually uh, uh, putting uh, their skin in the game. They're they're Uh, using uh, resources regardless of uh, whether they create value or actually destroy it. And I would say that most of the time the states uh, destroy value uh, even though they uh, claim that they are trying to solve your problems. And sometimes they are uh, either trying to solve your problems or they actually do it. But uh, the difference between the state and entrepreneurs is that entrepreneur is risking their own time their own money their own relationships um, and uh, uh, both the state and uh, the entrepreneur don't know if their solution is going to work the difference is that uh, uh, if the solution of the state is not going to work you are going to pay for it <laughs> and if the solution of the entrepreneur is not profitable then uh, 
bummer. They need to figure something else out and need to need to um, uh, find more time, more capital, more resources in order to satisfy your needs. So uh, this is the crucial difference. And uh, so I, I very much agree with, with what you said. Though I, I would want to distill it down more to, in, in one specific area because you said that the entrepreneur strives to create value. Right? Sometimes he fucks up. And it's a bad investment, but sometimes it's good and he actually fixes the problem, right? So there is a value creation potentially if it's a good entrepreneur, right? Um, but you said that, um, that the state sometimes destroys the value, right? Uh, that there might be arguably a value being created by the state. And I say that fundamentally, this is impossible. The, the state per definition, per, per the very axioms of its definition, um, is inherently value destructive. And in any case, uh, it, it depreciates capital, and in no case whatsoever is it actually creating value itself. Um, and this is why, uh, and I speak of the state and the entrepreneur, I'm very closely tied to Oppenheimer's definition, which is that there are t- uh, two different types uh, of the way that individuals can interact with each other. So again, he assumes inter- individual action, right? Uh, and that there are individuals who act, and now how do they act in accordance to each other? How do they interact? Um, and the first way, is what he calls the entrepreneurial, the economic means, right? And this is um, by, and so that, that you, you gain more goods basically as an individual by voluntarily and with consent of the other individual to trade for it under whatever conditions, as long as it is a voluntary trade. Um, so here, this is the aspect of volunteerism, right? Um, this is a way to get stuff, um, it's specifically capital, um, that uh, that uh, and you have done so in a just and and mutually beneficial and value creative way, right? Mutual beneficial trade means that both parties are better off. For both parties, a problem was fixed, right? Um, the entrepreneur wanted to have more money, and the customer wanted to have the solution to the problem that he hires the entrepreneur for, like the the uh, steak uh, that the cook is is providing. Um, and they exchange and are be- both better off. So there is a value created. Always, per definition, in any mutual beneficial action. Um, however, with the other way to get more stuff, right, to gain uh, capital um, and ownership, is by stealing, by taking it non-consensually, uh, um, by the other party not voluntarily agreeing uh, to this exchange or to, uh, to this trade, to giving away his good, uh, but the other party forcing at gunpoint with, with uh, different types of aggressive force um, to to hand over that good. And this is the, um, the way that the state, um, the means of the state um, that, to acquire more resources. Uh, and this, per definition, in any case, always fundamentally, per definition, the state destroys value because the victim who is being stolen from uh, is now worse, in a, in a worse situation than before, right? He, he was in, a, in an uneasiness, in a, in a state of uneasiness already, and then a thug comes and, st- uh, and beats him with a $5 wrench and takes the money out of his pocket, right? Uh, as any state does, per definition. Um, and then gives them social insurance or <laughs> healthcare. <laughs> yes, yes. But they and didn't this, ask so for from... Precisely, precisely. And there's always value destroyed, per definition, always. So uh, just uh, so the listeners can... Uh, see and experience this definition. So uh, let's take money completely out of it. I have an apple. 
you have an orange. I don't like apples uh, or I don't like apples as much as oranges. Um, and you would like a, you would like uh, an apple because you uh, uh, you had quite a few oranges already. So we are here. Uh, both of us have some asset and we voluntarily decide uh, to exchange. So why why was the value created? The reason why the value was created is because uh, I wouldn't do the exchange unless I thought that I would be better off having an orange instead of an apple. And for you, it is exactly the opposite. So you wouldn't... Uh, You wouldn't do the exchange if you wanted to keep your orange. That doesn't make sense. So by definition, we both have to be better off. Uh, and the reason why I didn't uh, involve money is because uh, also money in this exchange. So if I I had uh, uh, two euros and not an apple and would do the, the exchange, it would be the same. My perception of the value of two euros is that it is less valuable to me than the orange that you would give me. And um, the reason why I didn't bring money there, the other reason is that uh, the value actually doesn't have to be monetary or tangible. So uh, maybe we did the, the exchange because I just know that you like apples and I like to make you happy and, and I enjoy this uh, feeling of empathy when I uh, did something good so we uh, so I could have just given you the apple uh, I would uh, not take the orange I would just give it to you and it's still more valuable to me uh, than keeping the apple because the joy uh, of the fact that I know that you would enjoy the apple for me has more value than keeping the apple myself and with voluntary exchange this is always the case it is not a special case it is not uh, there are you know uh, not uh, small font uh, um, exceptions or something like that this is always the case with the state this is never the case because if the exchange was valuable for me if i really wanted the health insurance Uh, then I would just buy it because then uh, this action would be actually the result of my thinking that I would prefer health insurance uh, to the money that I pay for it. So, so this is the reason. So, so I wanted to bring it up so so you understand the mechanism why this is the case. And uh, as as you said, Max, uh, it is. It is fundamental. It is not, uh, you know, uh, that we don't like the state. <laughs> if the if force is yes. involved, then uh, you you could say that uh, I would rather have uh, the health insurance than spend ten uh, uh, time ten uh, years in jail. So, <laughs> in this case, <laughs> uh, uh, there would be value created, uh, but uh, the. 10 years in jail is not a natural condition of someone. So it is actually uh, 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 the, the value was destroyed before with the threat. And then, uh, uh, then uh, I would make my choice to purchase the health insurance uh, because someone attacked me before. But uh, is, the value is never created. Really, congratulations, because this was a superb 
really a, a stellar explanation of, um, of, of, of all this marginal preference scale and, and, uh, why voluntary action is, is so good. I really suggest uh, to, to go for the listeners to go back and re-listen to this part because, uh, I, I paid attention to all of the words that you used and they were very carefully selected. Uh, and you spoke about a lot of nuances, uh, in this, in this aspect. For example, that a larger quantity of a good with every additional marginal unit of a quantity to this good, um, you gain less value. Right? So we have a marginal decrease in the value of each additional unit. Uh, this is something that you mentioned just in one word, right? <laughs> uh, so, With the oranges, so there's a lot yeah. of nuance uh, to unpack. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well done. Okay, so um, I suggest that we close this first part on first principles and theory and uh, go to uh, go over the actual strategies. What do you think? Or do you want to say something mo more about first principles? No, I, I love it that we spoke already um, for, for almost an hour and it's it, it, uh, this we've just now uh, concluding the first principles, which I personally very much like, uh, because this is, again, such an important starting point of, uh, in our entire journey, right? If our first principles are wrong, right, if these base assumptions that we do are not reasonable, then everything that we build on top is flawed, right, and is, is structurally, architecturally rotten to the core. Uh, and and we cannot build any beautiful thing on top. Um, but I do believe that we've covered now in this conversation this, this fundamental axiom of, of individual existence, of individual action, and what follows out of this um, in, in quite a lot of detail. And I think we, we both agree that this, these are fundamental, or this is a fundamentally reasonable assumption to have. Uh, and, and hopefully the, the listeners can, can follow us with that reasoning um, so that we can now focus on strategies that the individual can use uh, to liberate himself um, and to to be more free and to have that power to choose uh, what uh, with whom to interact and how to allocate his own resources. Um, as, as this is fundamentally what freedom is about, right? To be not hindered in individual human action, right? That there is no one forcing you to act in a way that you would not have acted uh, voluntarily. Yes, exactly. So. Um... I think we should close this first part. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, let's continue with the strategies in the next podcast. Thank you, everyone. I'm looking forward to the next conversation, Uri, uh, because this one, again, was, was fantastic. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing this, this series. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode in which we will talk about various strategies to achieve liberty or more liberty. Uh, these are agorism, second realm, cryptoanarchy, parallel police, uh, vonu and voluntarism. So we will talk about uh, not only philosophies such as minarchism and anarcho-capitalism, but also about particular strategies. To stay informed about the next episode, either subscribe on your podcast application or subscribe to my newsletter. Everything is available on optionplus.io. Also, I would like to remind you that you can use my coupon codes for Hackers Congress Parallel Police uh, uh, in Prague, uh, 2nd to 4th October. You can use code OPTIONPLUS, all spelled out. And if you search for Digital Totality, which is the theme and HCPP, you will find the eShop. Uh, this discount code is also applicable to workshops. 
and uh, I would like uh, to give you a discount code to my online courses Firefox for better security and introduction to Lightning Network and the discount code is podcast and you can apply it in my eShop at optionplus.io. These courses are very low monetary investment and very low time investment to increase your privacy and sovereignty so i hope you make use of them and thank you for listening thank you for listening you can find more information show notes and contact information at optionplus.io to help us build a map of areas in which people lack freedom visit optionplus.io slash map my twitter account is J U R B E D See you next time Live free and prosper <laughs>